It's good to see you this morning. Like I said, if we don't know each other, my name's Brian. Uh, it's my wife, Lori. We pastor Mount Hope's Belmont campus. And every so often we get the opportunity to, uh, to be with you. Uh, we come up here and, and get the chance to worship with you. And Pastor Rick goes down to Belmont. And he fixes all the things that, that we've done down there. And next week he'll come back and fix everything I'm about to do right now. That's all right. But it's good to see you this morning. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever in your life, have you ever tried to change something in your life? A personality trait? You try to start a good habit? You've tried to kick a bad habit? Have you ever tried to change something in your life and not had it go well? Have you ever made a promise to yourself that you're going to be a better parent or a better spouse? Have you ever made a promise to yourself that you're going to be less angry or you're going to be more joyful? Have you ever made a promise to somebody else that you're going to change and you mean it with all the best intentions, but you go into that work and you try to get it done and you find yourself unable to do it? Have you ever tried to make a change like that in your life and at the end of the day, you feel like you fail at it? Well, we all have. We all experience that. We all know what it's like to have the best intentions to be able to change our lives or change who we are, or do something that we need to start doing or stop something that we shouldn't be doing and to try to do that and have ourselves fail at that task. I don't know if you're the kind of person who makes resolutions. I'm not the kind of person that really writes down resolutions at the beginning of the year, but Statistically, half the people in this room would be the kind of people that would write them down. I think probably all of us, when the calendar changes from one year to the next year, at least think a little bit about something we'd like to do in the new year uh, that would be a good thing for us to do, something we want to start doing or something we want to stop doing. For me, even though I don't write down resolutions, I had a, I had a, a thing or two that I thought, you know, maybe this year... Uh, will be the year that I, that I uh, get better at this or I stop doing this. And one of the things that I came into this year and I said to myself, okay, this is what uh, I want to do, is I want to, in 2017, I want to drink less coffee. I, I drink way too much coffee by any spectrum. I drink too much coffee. It would be better for me if I just drank a little bit less coffee. So I came into 2017 and I said to myself, I didn't write it down anywhere. I didn't, I just in my mind, I said, 2017, I'm going to drink a little less coffee. Well, I don't know if you uh, remember, I don't know if you remember, uh, but Sunday, uh, January was, or January 1st was a Sunday. And so I woke up early on Sunday morning as I do to get ready for church, like 5.30ish in the morning, house is dark and cold five and a half hours into the new year. And I put my feet out of the bed and my feet hit that cold hardwood floor. And I slowly walked through the darkness of the house. You know, I didn't wanna wake up my wife. I didn't wanna wake up my kids. And I walked downstairs into the kitchen and through the darkness, a light shone into my eye. And it was the blue LED light of the Keurig. And its siren song was calling to me through the darkness. It was all heated up, ready to go, just like it's programmed to do. And it was calling to me, saying, it's just one button. Just put the cup 
and the pot and it's just one button. And about 10 minutes later, I said to myself, in 2018, I am going to drink way less coffee. I know what it's like and you know what it's like. We make these promises to ourselves. I'm gonna do better, I'm gonna be better, I'm gonna be different, I'm gonna stop, I'm gonna start. We know what that's like to try and make changes in our life and just not have it go well. We know what it's like. And for those of us who wanna follow Jesus Christ with our lives, for those of us who want to know God more, at some point we have to deal with this within ourselves that God tells us to do certain things and he tells us to stop other things. He tells us to be certain kinds of people and to act a certain way. But we experience this over and over again in our lives. I experience it in my life and you experience it in yours that I try my best and I try my hardest to do the right thing and say the right thing and be the right kind of person. I try to do that over and over again and I do not do it as well as I want to. It happens to me and it happens to you as well. And there's all these voices in our world. You listen to the people running the daytime talk shows. You read the magazines at the checkout counter. You listen to the talking heads on television. And all of them tell us that if we want to make changes in our lives, then we have all the power we need within ourselves to make those changes. The problem with that advice, even though it sounds great, is our experience tells us otherwise because we've tried to make changes. We've tried to become better people. We've tried to do the right thing. And it just doesn't happen the way we want it to. And so we come to a sermon series like the one we've been preaching over the last few weeks. And if you've been with us over the last few weeks, uh, you know uh, that we've been in this sermon series we're calling the best things that you will do this year. And so each week you walk into church and we say things to you like, the best things you'll do this year are the things that nobody sees. The best things that you'll do in order to grow in your relationship with God and your depth of knowledge of him and understanding are the things that nobody sees you do. And then we came back the next week and we said, you should be reading your Bible more. And we came back the next week and we said, you should be praying more. And if you were with us last week, we said, you should be more generous. And you come to a sermon series like this and every week you come in and you say, yes, I know. I should be reading my Bible more. Yes, I know. I should be praying the way that Jesus tells me to pray. Yes, I know. I should handle the things of this world more the way that God tells me to and give more and be more generous. Here's the problem, pastors. Every time I try to be better and do the right thing, I don't get very far. I would love to be the kind of person who reads my Bible all the time. But here's the deal. Every year I try, and every year about two weeks in, I give up. Every year you tell me that God will speak to me through the Bible, and every year I try, and all I am is confused and maybe a little bored. Every year you tell me that I should be praying more and I come in and you tell me I should be praying more and you give this sermon about Jesus telling us that we should pray secret, simple, sincere prayers and I know that I should be praying more but here's the deal. I tell myself I'm gonna be praying more. I tell myself I'm gonna try harder. My day is so busy and it goes by so fast. I wake up in the morning, I lead my day. By the time I get home at night, I hit the bed and I'm out and I totally forget about praying. 
Or maybe you're like the person that came up to me after that sermon a couple of weeks ago down at the Belmont campus and said to me, listen, pastor, you can pray for me because I tried prayer before and it doesn't work for me. And maybe you say, you know, I'd love to be more generous. I'd love to do that. But we don't have enough money at the end of the month to pay all the bills. And we don't even know how we're going to make that work. And I'd love to be able to do what God says and just trust him in that. But if I trusted God in that way, there wouldn't be enough left over for me and my family and to meet all of our needs. So despite my best intentions and despite me wanting to do what God is asking me to do, here's the reality that I face and that you face. We want to do the right thing. We want to be a certain kind of people. We want to start certain things and stop certain things and do what God's asking us to do, but we have tried and tried and tried, and there's just certain things about us that we feel like we'll never be able to change. And we know other people who are the kind of people that read the Bible and pray and are generous. We know all those kinds of people, but we're just not like that, and we've tried to be like that. It's not like we haven't given it a good faith effort, but it's just so hard, isn't it, to change things about ourselves. So here's the question that's before us this morning. For those of us who feel like we are spinning our wheels, trying to change certain things about us that we know we need to change, we need to start the good habits, stop the bad habits, start being more godly in a certain area of our life, kick the temptation out of our lives, whatever it is. For those of us who feel like we're spinning our wheels, and I would suggest to you this morning that pretty much all of us who want to live the life that God is calling us to live have some area of our life where we feel like no matter how hard we try, we can't get ahead. For those of us who feel like we are spinning our wheels, is there hope? Is there hope? This morning, I want us to look at together a moment between Jesus and his disciples, where the disciples were in a position that they knew God was asking them to do something that they couldn't possibly do on their own. They knew what it was that they were supposed to do, but then they took a look at themselves in the mirror and they said to themselves, there's no way we can live this thing out. And in that moment, Jesus says something to his disciples that when they began to understand what Jesus was saying, it radically transformed their ability to live the life and do the things that God wanted them to do. And for those of us who are here this morning that are trying to do what God wants us to do or want to do what God wants us to do, what Jesus says to his disciples is the thing that we have to understand if we are ever going to have hope of living the life that God calls us to live. This scene that we're talking about between Jesus and his disciples takes place in John chapter 14 through John chapter 16. And we're not going to read all those verses to you this morning, but let me share with you what's happening in these verses. Jesus and his disciples have spent about three years together. And this is towards the end of Jesus's time on this earth. Jesus himself is preparing to go to the cross. He knows what's coming. But the disciples don't really know what's coming. They just know that the last three years they've been following Jesus around, watching this amazing work take place, watching God move and watching Jesus heal and watching him speak life into people, listening to his teaching. 
And so Jesus comes to his disciples and he knows that the ministry is almost over. I'm sure three years of following Jesus around, watching the things that they saw and what Jesus was doing went by in a second. And if I'm one of the disciples, I have no inclination that this thing is about to come to an end. But Jesus calls them together. And in John chapter 14 through 16, he begins to explain to them that time is running short. He begins to explain to them that he's not going to be around forever. That there's a point where he is going to go back to heaven to be with his father. And the reality of this begins to set into the disciples. In fact, in chapter 16 of John, verse 16, it's probably the most succinct phrase that Jesus uses. He says, oh, in a while, a little while, and you, the disciples, you will see me no longer. And this is what he's trying to get across in these verses. Listen, in a little while, I'm leaving, and I'm going to go back and be with my father. But you guys are going to be here, continuing the work. And the message didn't really get through to the disciples Right away. In fact, in that next verse, in John chapter 16, verse 17, some of his disciples said to one another, what is this that he says to us a little while and you will not see me? What is going on here? Jesus is trying to tell his disciples, listen, I've been with you for the last three years. We've had seen some amazing things together, but I'm letting you know that in a little while, you're not going to see me anymore. I'm going to go back and be with the Father. And the disciples are saying back to Jesus, what in the world are you talking about? Because here's the reality that the disciples had to deal with. It's the reality that you and I have to deal with. The disciples knew that it was Jesus's work in the ministry that was taking place. They were the sidekicks in this whole thing. They were along for the ride. They were observing the ministry that was taking place. But they, at this point, were not doing the ministry. They were observing the ministry. And now here is Jesus telling them, after three short years, listen, fellas, uh, in a little while you'll see me no more. I'll be gone, and the, the work is yours to continue. And the disciples are just like you and I are. They're looking at themselves in the mirror and saying, I don't know if you've been paying attention, Jesus, but over the last three years, uh, we haven't really like, sh you know, stood out as excellent pupils all the time. We've tried to become better people. We've tried to do better. We've, we've tried to do this work, but I don't really think that we're equipped to take this whole thing and to run with it. If you hand this baton to us, then chances are we're going to drop it. And the disciples felt exactly the way that you and I feel. God is asking them to do something. Jesus is placing something into their hands, and they're thinking to themselves, we know how this goes. We try to do good things, Jesus. We try to be good people. But there is no way that we can possibly live up to what we have seen you doing and what God, your Father, has been doing through you. And they're kind of like uh, the next generation, the heir apparent, who receives the family business far too early. The parent that might turn over their keys before their kid goes to driver's ed. And, the, and the, the child is taking the keys or taking the business thinking to themselves, I have no idea what I'm doing here. How am I supposed to take this and run with it? In fact, as Jesus is talking to his disciples, we see that they react with a certain emotion. In John chapter 16, verse 6, 
This is what it says about the disciples. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, because I've said these things to you, sorrow is filling your heart. The disciples were saddened by this. It says something similar in John chapter 14. Jesus is saying, you're not, Jesus says in that chapter, you're not rejoicing as I say this to you. Sorrow is filling your heart. And the disciple says, absolutely it is. Because we've had three great years here. And now you're telling us that you're leaving and it's going to be up to us. You're going to go and somehow this work is going to continue. And I don't know if you've been paying attention, Jesus, but we aren't really equipped to be able to do this well. You're telling us to do something. You're calling us to something, but we know ourselves. And by the way, this is the same group of people that in just a few weeks are going to abandon Jesus at the cross. And they know their own weakness. And they're saying, we're supposed to be these people that are supposed to do this amazing work, but Jesus, you're the one that does the work. And so there's sorrow in their hearts. But listen to this. Right after Jesus recognizes the sorrow in their hearts, he says something that I'm sure struck the disciples as crazy. And if you and I put ourselves in that position, this phrase that Jesus says would strike us as crazy too. This is what Jesus says. You're sad that I'm leaving. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. It is better for you that I leave. And the disciples are thinking, what are you talking about? This is exactly how I would feel. Sometimes, I don't know about you, sometimes I feel like this whole Christian life would be easier to live if Jesus was here in person on earth and I and everyone else I know could watch what he's doing. If I could see it with my own eyes and if the other people around could just see it and I could say, you know all these things I say I believe about Jesus, they're true. Why don't you come down and see him? And watch him. Sometimes it seems like that would just be an easier situation. But Jesus says to his disciples, it is to your advantage that I leave. And we wonder why. How is that even possible? That it would be to the disciples' advantage that Jesus goes away. And then Jesus gives them the answer. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, then I will send him to you. And here's what Jesus knows. Jesus knows it's time for his disciples to make a big move in their life and in their walk with God. It's time for the disciples to take a gigantic step forward in their experience with who God is. Because it's, it's true. It's absolutely true for the disciples. 
that they're the kind of people like we are that try to do their best and try to work harder and try to do the right things and read the Bible more and pray more and do all the things that God calls us to do. But the disciples knew that there is no possible way in their own strength that they could make themselves those kinds of people. And Jesus knew it too. And so he says to the disciples, it is time for you to take a big step forward. And here's the deal. I'm going to leave, but I'm not going to leave you alone. In fact, in chapter 14, he tells them, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. The Holy Spirit is going to come. The helper is going to come. And he is going to work through you. And all of those things right now that you are feeling like you don't know how to do, if you read through these verses, Jesus says, the Holy Spirit is going to come. The helper is going to come. The comforter is going to come. The spirit of truth is going to come. And he is going to help you keep my commands. He is going to lead you into all truth. He is going to convict the world of sin. He is going to do the work and continue the work that I have begun in the Father. And he is going to do the work through you. And Jesus knows that it is time for the disciples to take a big step forward in their walk with God. And that is, they are going to move from observers of the work of God to participants in the work of God. And the only way that can happen, for them to move from observers of the work of God to participants in the work of God, is for the Holy Spirit to come and to fill them up and to do the work through them. Because the disciples knew the exact same thing that you and I know about ourselves. We do not have the strength in ourselves to do the work that God is calling us to do. We try to do it, and we fall short. I just finished reading uh, David McCullough's newest book on the Wright Brothers, which is a fantastic book if you're looking for something to read. And you know the Wright brothers, they're the first uh, to to fly self-propelled aircraft. And they did it down in North Carolina at Kitty Hawk. And one of the things that stuck out to me as I read this book was a comment that that, uh, Wilbur Wright made in a speech to uh, an aeronautical society in Chicago. He said that flying is like an untamed horse that humans need to find a way to tame. And he, uh, not so much mocked, but just pointed out that for thousands of years, people had just stood on the earth and watched the birds and tried to figure out how to fly just by standing on the ground and watching the birds soar. Just by standing and observing everything that was happening, they thought maybe we could figure out exactly what's happening. And that's exactly how it went. They would stand and observe, and then someone would tinker and try a few things, and then people would stand and observe. And everyone was wishing. We wish that we could do that. How the world would change if we could get up there and fly with with the birds. But people would just stand on the ground and talk about it and observe it. And some would say there's no possible way we're ever going to do that. In fact, most people said there's no way we're ever going to do that. And then a few people, a few really smart people said, we think that's possible, but we're still trying to figure out how to do it. And Wilbur Wright said in front of the group, he said, listen, there are two ways to tame a horse. 
If flying is this untamed horse we need to tame, there's two ways to tame a horse. One way is to sit on a fence and watch the horse out in the pasture and try to figure out from the fence how you're going to tame it. The other way is to actually get on the horse and tame the horse. He said the second way has a much better probability of producing a cowboy. And what he was calling the people to was to stop just observing what was happening up in the sky and someone needed to get out there and participate in what was happening if it was all going to be figured out. And Jesus has the disciples in this very same place. They have been sitting on the fence watching Jesus do the ministry. They've been seeing what God has done. And Jesus is saying to them, listen, it is time for you to get off the fence and it's time for you to get up in the air and do the work yourself and participate in the work. And I'm not going to leave you alone to do it. I am going to give you a helper, my spirit, the Holy Spirit, who is going to work through you. And here's what I know today. Some of us in this room today, for far too long, we have been observers of the work. Many of us, this is why we come to church. We come because we wish that we could do the work. We wish that we were the kind of people that, that did the right thing. And we wish we were the kind of people that were the people that God calls us to be. And we wish we were the kind of people that were reading God's word the way that we're supposed to. We wish we could get up here on the stage and be as excited about reading God's word as we heard during the announcements. We wish we were the kind of people that were praying the way that we should be. We wish we were doing all of this good stuff. And so we're in this place because we can be around people and observe the work of God. So we can see other people doing it. And all of us in our lives have these places where we are spinning our wheels, trying to be better people, trying to do the right thing under our own strength and under our own power, trying to do the work that God is calling us to do. And what we are in those places are we are just observers of the work of God, trying our best to figure it all out and trying our best to be the kind of people that God wants us to be. But God is calling all of us not just to be observers of the work, but participants in the work. And the only way for you and I to be participants in the work, not just to observe the work of God, but to experience the work of God in and through us, is to rely on his Holy Spirit, to rely on the helper whom God has given to you and to me. You see, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit lives in you, and you have a resource that is available to you, but you just might not be taking advantage of the resource. And I want us to think about that this morning. Is that you this morning? I know it's me in areas of my life. I find myself trying my hardest, trying my best, and I find myself spinning my wheels. I want to be better. I want to do what God wants me to do. And I wonder to myself, why can't I get it done? Why can't I change this piece about myself? Why can't I do the thing that God is, I know is asking me to do? And if I'm honest with myself, it is because in those places in my life, I am relying on my strength and my ability and not the resource, the helper that God has given me. And many of us this morning, we are just trying to do it under our own power and strength. But there is a resource available to you that you need to choose to use. In 2003, FedEx had a commercial during the Super Bowl. And maybe you remember the movie Castaway, the movie with Tom Hanks. If you remember in that movie, Tom Hanks played a FedEx pilot 
whose plane went down, and so he spent a number of, of years alone on an island. And so the commercial spoofed the movie. And uh, at the beginning of the commercial, you saw a man who had clearly been marooned on an island for a long time. His clothes were ripped and dirty. His hair was long and unkept. He had a big bushy beard. He hadn't shaved in a long time. And he's kind of stumbling through the streets with this very dirty FedEx package. And he walks up to a house and he knocks on the door and a woman answers the door and he says, ma'am, I'm a FedEx pilot who went down in the middle of the ocean and was marooned on a desert island for five years. This was the only package that survived and I swore to myself, if I ever got off that island, that I would deliver this package. And the woman takes the package and she says, thank you. And before the man leaves, he says to her, he says, just out of curiosity, what's in the box? And the woman opens it up and she says, oh, not much. Just a satellite telephone, a GPS device, a <laughs> compass, a water purifier, and some seeds. And some of us are like marooned on an island trying to figure it all out. You're trying to be the person God wants you to be. You're trying to be better. You're trying to stop the bad habits and start the good habits. You're trying to fall in love with God's word. You're trying to be, a, be a deeper in your prayer life. You're trying to be generous the way God calls you to be. And we feel like we're marooned on an island, like we can't get anything done, like we are just stuck there. There is a resource available to you and you need to open up the box and use it if God is going to do the work in you that he wants to get done. The only way those things are going to happen is if we rely on the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us so that God works through us and God works in us and we stop being the ones who are doing the work. When we move from just observing the acts of God to experiencing the works of God through his Holy Spirit, then we will experience what it is that God has for us. And some of us look at other people and we're like, I don't understand how they became like that. I don't understand how they, they seem to hear God's voice all the time. I don't understand why they, they love God's word that much. I don't understand how they have that sort of prayer life. I don't understand how they're able to live that life that God calls them to live. I promise you, if it's genuine and it's authentic, it's because that they have utilized the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. It's the only way it works because you and I can't do it on our own. Amen. I'm going to invite our worship team back up this morning as we prepare to close. And you might be saying to yourself, okay, how am I supposed to do this? How am I supposed to do this? How am I supposed to open this thing up? How am I supposed to utilize this resource that is the Holy Spirit? Because I'll tell you what happens when the Holy Spirit got a hold of those disciples. Those disciples who abandoned Jesus Christ on the cross just a few months later when the Holy Spirit came into them at Pentecost, they went from being the bumbling people observing the work of God to being the powerful people that God used to do amazing things, to establish his church, to heal, to preach, to teach. God 
used them in a mighty and powerful way, not because they were special and they figured out some sort of formula, but because the resource was open and they allowed the Holy Spirit to do the work of God in and through them. And so you're saying to me, Pastor, how is it that I am supposed to utilize this resource? I get it. I can't do it on my own. I need to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. It's there for me. I just need to open up the resource. There is a very simple way that you can begin that process. And it's just two things. There's no magical formula. There's no magical prayer. You and I have to humble ourselves before the Lord and ask the Holy Spirit to fill us. You and I have to come before God and ask the Holy Spirit to be at work through us. And then you and I have to yield to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We have to not only come before him and ask, Holy Spirit, will you be at work in my heart? Will you be at work in my life? Will you do the work that you have for me in and through me? We not only have to ask, but we also have to yield our lives to that work and do what it is that God is calling us to do. And we have to do it today and tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. Then we'll come back in here again on Sunday and we'll do it together. And then we'll ask God the next day and the next day. Sometimes we get it all, all confused that you come to an altar, you get baptized in the Spirit, and that's the whole deal. It's all done. But it is a daily following of the Holy Spirit. It's a daily filling of the Holy Spirit. It's a daily walk in asking the Holy Spirit to do the work inside of us that we cannot do ourselves and to yield ourselves to that work. I'd invite you, if you would, just to bow your head and close your eyes. I'm going to ask you, if you would, would you just stand together as well? Can we stand together this morning? And with your head bowed and your eyes closed, I, I just want you to think about this with me. You know, maybe you're here this morning and you don't even feel like you have a relationship with God. You're not even sure if this whole thing is true. You're not sure what to think about Jesus, but you want to know if this is real or not. I would encourage you this morning just to test the Holy Spirit and ask God to show you whether or not he is real and if his spirit is alive. If you're wondering this morning if this whole thing is real, if God is real and his spirit is living and active, I would, ask, I would encourage you to come before God this morning and just ask him to show you whether or not it is. Maybe you're in this room and you hear this sermon this morning and you know exactly what we're talking about. I know it personally, but there are areas in our lives where we are trying to be better people. We are trying to do what God calls us to do. We're trying to get something started. We're trying to be better. We're trying to do what's right and stay away from what's wrong. We're trying to do all of these things, but we feel like we are stuck on an island somewhere. We feel like no matter how hard we try, we can't get 
anywhere under our own strength. And maybe this morning God is speaking to you and he's saying very specifically to you, the reason you're in that place is because you are not yielding to the Holy Spirit's work in your life. You're trying to do this under your own power. You're trying to do it under your own strength. And I have my spirit available to you, but you need to reach out and ask for my help. You need to reach out and yield yourself to my spirit. And if God is speaking to you this morning in that way, I would encourage you right where you are to ask the Holy Spirit to begin to do that work inside of you that you cannot do yourself. And right as you're standing there, if that's you in that place this morning, that you know there's an area in your life where you need to ask the Holy Spirit for help, I would encourage you just to reach out with your hand and lift it up to God and say, God, that is me. I need your Holy Spirit to do something in my life this morning. And I'm not even looking at the hands. I could care less how many hands go up. All I care about is if that's what God's calling you to this morning, that you would reach up to him and that you would very publicly say, God, I know that is me. That there is this place where I am trying under my own strength to do the work that only you can do in me. And I need you to come. And I need your spirit to fill me. And do the work. Our worship team is going to close us with a song in just a moment. If that's where you are this morning, that you want to ask God that he would fill you, that he would indwell within your heart, that he would dwell within your family and in your home, I would encourage you in this time that we have together this morning, where else do we have time like this together as the body of Christ to come to these altars and to kneel before the Lord and ask God that he would fill you with his spirit, ask God that he would do the work inside of you that you cannot do yourself why would we not take this opportunity to come before the Lord and as we worship him, ask him that he would fill us with his spirit and that the Holy Spirit would move.